In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. In January of 2020, we started a Financial Peace University class. Uh, This has been one of our um, uh, best um, outreaches and inreaches at Jesus the Good Shepherd. Uh, We do it to benefit those uh, of our own church that could benefit from some budgeting and and getting their financial house in order. And then it turns out to be a wonderful outreach to the community as well. So we started with about a dozen or so people last January, and uh, we immediately started to see some uh, incredible blessings to our church. Becky came and brought with her her sister, uh, Melanie, and the two of them started to work and to get their financial house in order. And so when the pandemic came, they were prepared, and even more so, they were able to move to Denver here a few weeks ago. Sad for us, but a blessing for them that they were were able to do that, uh, knowing that their finances were uh, in order. An even greater blessing came out of that, and that was uh, Melanie becoming familiar with us and, and us with her so that she was able to start coming to church soon after the class was over and then was baptized and uh, is being confirmed today at Emmaus Anglican Church in Denver. Uh, and so a wonderful blessing uh, to come out of that class. Noyland Luis, you'll remember, started coming to that class, and you'll remember that Noyland Luis had come to the United States through Mexico as they uh, left Cuba, and so they came and they were able to get jobs and to start to work, and uh, they were totally perplexed by money in the United States. They really didn't know how credit worked, uh, what debt was, they had really no understanding of, of how to budget their money because they're so little and their experience in Cuba, uh, and so they were able to start getting an understanding of how uh, uh, money worked in the um the, the way that debt can really impoverish and enslave us and they began to work diligently to pay off their debts and to start to save an emergency fund and they had just gotten themselves um, really in order when the pandemic hit and both of them lost their jobs uh, but they were able to have peace because they had had some planning and they had uh, started to work and of course incredible generosity at that time started to come into the church uh, not asked for and to bless those of our uh, parish that had Uh, lost their jobs. Amber came to that class. Many of you know Amber from the 9 o'clock. She had some goals that she had financially and getting her house in order and starting to pay off her debts. And one of those goals was to become a foster parent. And soon after she started to really get to work on her debt, she went through those foster parent classes. And now we have uh, Daisy worshiping with us, almost seven months old. And how much of a blessing has that been for us to have Daisy coming to church? So you can see how uh, these blessings that the Lord promises come when we begin to be diligent and to know how it is that we can give and to be generous. Aaron and I continued in our work at Financial Peace and to continue to get our financial house in order so that when Mary Lou got sick, we were able to invite Sophie in uh, to our home and she was such a blessing to us and we were able to do that with ease because we had been working to make sure that our finances are in order. And this is how the Lord works when we uh, prepare and we are diligent with what we have. Those windows of heaven are opened and we know whether we're in a position to be generous and, and what kind of generosity we're able to participate in. And this is what the Lord is teaching 
teaching to uh, the people of God as they enter into the promised land. You remember here we are in Deuteronomy chapter 15 uh, that they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and Moses has led them to that eastern border of the Jordan River and he is summarizing for them what God has done for them and he is reintroducing the covenant to them, getting them ready to move into the promised land and teaching them how it is that they're going to live. And one of the things that he teaches them is that there's going to be this debt forgiveness every seven years. So the poor would not be perpetually poor. And he tells them there does not have to be poor among you. There does not have to be poor among you. But he says several verses after that, but there always will be. And this is uh, how it is that we have to have a wide, uh, open-eyed understanding of uh, the reality of uh, debt and riches and poverty and riches, uh, that we don't have to be poor, uh, but many will be because of circumstance and because of choice. And so he teaches them that uh, they're going to have this debt forgiveness every seven years. And he knows, he foresees that those who are wealthy uh, will begin to uh, think about and plan for that seven years and say to themselves, because the seven years is so close, because it's maybe a year away, I'm not going to lend to my brother in need because as soon as I give it to him, that debt will be forgiven and I won't get my money back. And here we have that perpetual fear in the heart of all of us that I won't have enough, that I won't be able to get what I need, that I won't be able to secure myself. And that fear that we have uh, to not have enough is, is something that we have to be disciplined about facing, that we have to look square in the eyes and we have to come to an understanding of how it is that God uh, blesses us. He doesn't bless us by gathering enough for ourselves. He, ga- he blesses us by being good, diligent, stewards of what we have and always having an eye towards giving to the poor and caring for those who are in need. We have to be aware of that fear. And the fear that we have of poverty is very much related to the fear that we have of sickness and death. We have a real fear of sickness and death and it keeps us from being able to do the things that we're supposed to do. And that that fear of sickness and death is something that uh, that sometimes we use some of the tools that we have at our disposal uh, to not only keep ourselves well, but we use it to punish those who are sick. And so uh, you can see uh, two different cases here uh, in chapter 5 of St. Mark's Gospel where uh, we have uh, first this woman who has had this issue of blood for 15 years. And uh, it's hard for us to imagine, I think, that kind of suffering, but but what it would mean in that society that uh, Jesus is living in, where they would not allow her to participate in anything in the marketplace. They would not allow her to participate in any kind of community act, and indeed she wouldn't be able to go to the synagogue. Could you imagine not being able to go to church for 15 years because of a health condition where you're excluded? Um, It's a radical thing that was happening to her in a horrible uh, kind of separation. It wasn't just that she was sick, but she was isolated from those that she loved and she was isolated from God. Do you see that separation that would take place with her not being able to go to the synagogue and to worship him? Indeed, uh, something similar would happen to Jairus and to his daughter because Jairus, as a ruler of the synagogue, uh, would have been separated from the worship in the synagogue with his daughter being sick and then when she would die in the home. If he had been in the house with a dead body, he would not be allowed to go and to do his uh, ritual, his duty to God and worship. He would have been excluded from the synagogue as well. And indeed, he was excluded from going to see Jesus. We had just read before chapter 5 about how the Pharisees 
Pharisees and the Sadducees had already started to plan to kill Jesus. Jairus would have known this quite well. He would have known the danger that he was in politically and uh, in the social order to have anything to do with Jesus. But more than that, Jairus doesn't just go to Jesus and he doesn't go to him at night like Nicodemus does because of his love and his desperation for his daughter out of his zeal and care for her. He's willing to go to Jesus in the middle of this crowd in the middle of the day. And what does he do? Does he just sidle up to him and whisper, hey, if you've got a chance, can you come by my house? He kneels before him and he begs and he pleads for Jesus to come and to heal. The woman with the issue of blood does something similar. She recognizes the need that she has and she knows that she has to go to Jesus and she has to be able to touch him. Even though this would be against the law for her uh, to touch another person or to be in the crowd in that way, out of her desperation she knows that she has to go and she has to meet Jesus and she indeed herself humbles herself before him. And now we have an understanding of what is required of us to meet God because God would meet us. Uh, Jesus would meet us. He would be in relationship with us. We're supposed to be that place where heaven and earth meet when we come into contact with God. And the way that we come into contact with God where heaven and earth meets is when we are willing to humble ourselves in obedience to sacrifice ourselves in the same way and truth that Jesus did. When we're able sacrificially to come before him and to lay our lives before him, to lay down all that we have, to be rid of all of that fear and all those things that would separate us, and to humbly submit ourselves totally and completely out of love for one another to God. This is how we're supposed to be praying. This is how we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be bearing the burdens of those around us, our family and our friends, our church family and our community. And we're supposed to be continually bowing before the Lord and humbling ourselves and expecting that we will meet him and that we will have that healing and that grace. But that fear that separates us is real. That fear that would keep us from going and exposing ourselves is a real thing. And that fear of not having enough and that fear of becoming sick and going amongst those that are sick is a real thing that would further isolate us and separate us. And boy, do we know the dangers of isolation after this year, huh? We knew it all intellectually, but we have all experienced What happens when we are isolated from those that we love, when we're not able to touch them, when we're not able to feel them, when we're removed from them? It's a a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, We've taken it to a whole new level where uh, in Jesus' time they isolated the sick, but we've isolated the healthy as well. And the mental and the psychological, spiritual effects of this are more enormous, I know, than we have ever uh, realized to date. But what the Lord is telling us to do is he's telling us to come even more radically further into contact with him and to those that are sick and those that are poor. And St. Paul is telling the people of Corinth and of Macedonia that if they're going to do this, they've got to have a plan. They've got to be diligent about their plan. This is almost an interlude in 2 Corinthians here in chapter 8. He spent six chapters talking about what it means to be an apostle. And he's been telling the Corinthians about his credentials as an apostle and how it is that apostles are supposed to act. They'd had this idea that an apostle was some great figure who was going to stand up as a, as a lord and who was going to rule kind of regally in the church. And they didn't expect this poor, bedraggled, beaten up Paul to come forward, you know, shipwrecked and, and everything around 
wreck and uh, you know transporting money right and so St. Paul shows them that the sacrificial love of Christ is how we're all supposed to be coming to one another and and there had been a, a terrible drought in Jerusalem so that there had been poverty and impoverishment there in the city of Jerusalem for several years it was a really intense uh, drought and it's written about by other contemporaries of Paul outside of the New Testament a very well recorded historical event and St. Paul and the churches had started to gather funds for several years in order for them to take it to Jerusalem and this is what freaked the Romans out they could not understand what was happening Moses telling the Israelites to care for one another makes sense. They're fellow Israelites. They're of the same ethnicity, of the same tribe, of the same language. They're in the same nation. But here they are, European Greeks, sacrificially giving to Middle Eastern Jews. The Romans are saying, why? They don't share the same language. They don't share the same ethnicity. They're not of the same nation. They don't look alike. They don't act alike. They don't talk alike. What is uniting them? And of course, we know that what unites us is our worship of the Most High God because we are willing to give sacrificially to become poor the way Christ became poor for us so that we can be rich and participate in His blessings. And St. Paul is able to convey all of this in these two chapters without ever really talking about money. He just tells them, you've been gathering for those that are in need, and this is how you do it, by knowing what you have. This is what we have to do. We have to take account of our lives. We have to look at our budgets. We have to look at what the Lord has given us. And we have to see what are our expenses, what are our needs, and what is it that we have. If we don't do that, if we don't do that work, we'll have no idea what we have to give. This is why budgeting is so important. This is why budgeting our time is so important. If we don't take account of our time and we don't recognize what time we've been given, we won't make time to say our prayers. We won't make time to read our Bibles. We won't make time to go and visit those that are alone. We won't make time to be alone with God. We'll get to the end of the day and say, where did all of my time go? Just as if we don't budget our money, we're going to get to the end of the month and say, where did all my money go? And then we've wasted those blessings that the Lord has given us. St. Paul is showing us that if we are diligent and we're exacting and we're seeking, what has God given me that's just a little bit extra? What's that extra time? What's that extra money? And we give it out of love and of sacrifice the same way that God gave and sacrificed to us, then those blessings of heaven will be opened. Our community was blessed by financial peace. We had a Metro cop come and his wife to financial peace. Aaron and I saw them at the pool a couple of weeks ago and they asked to give uh, their thanks to the people of Jesus the Good Shepherd. $180,000 paid off in a little over a year. What difference does it make having a policeman on the street who is buttoned down and knows where his money is, who has peace in his family? What difference does it make for the service that he does for our community? And when Uncle Calvin was in the hospital, all of a sudden who comes in the door but a nurse that had attended financial peace as well? Karen, the nurse, had come to us from California where she'd been in the Paradise Fire and lost everything. She only had what was on her back. She had lost her car, she had lost her home, all of her possessions, 
Thanks be to God, she was a nurse and she had a job, but that was it. She didn't know what to do with the debts that she had. She didn't know what to do with the money that she had coming in. She had no plan and she was rightfully scared. And after spending weeks and talking about what she needed to do and what kind of a plan she needed to have, she paid off all of her debts and began to build an emergency fund and was able to have the kind of financial peace that allowed her to go to work to minister to those who were sick and in need with a clear conscience and a full heart. See how those blessings came back to us? See how our giving of a little bit of time blessed us in ways that we could never have planned or imagined? That's the promise that our Father gives. He promises to bless us in this way. Let's test Him and see if those blessings come. I guarantee that they will. They will bless us in ways that we could never ask for or imagine.